Hey gang, welcome to episode 88 of the No Presidium podcast, your guide to immersive entertainment. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from Los Angeles. Today on the show, we've got one of the veterans of LA's immersive scene, the strategic director of Heidi Duckler Dance Theater, a consultant and producer in his own right. It's Mr. David Mack, who I've been trying to get on the show for like as long as we've had the show. Um, we're going to have a talk about the big picture here in LA. So hold on to your hats, folks. We're getting wonky. We're talking real estate. It's the whole nine yards. But first, before we get into that and a little more on the setup, uh, it's the thing all of you always come for week in, week out. It's the news and notes. Let's start here in Los Angeles with um, a shout out to our friends at Screenshot Productions who are bringing their show, Fear is What We Learned Here, back down from San Francisco. Remember, uh, Nick and, and Megan have moved up to the Bay Area. They put the new version of fear is what we learned here on up there. It got a lot of glowing uh, support up in the Bay area. Uh, Jessica Locknell, who uh, is, is going to be stepping in as our curator up in San Francisco soon, taking over Albert when he goes, she wrote a review of it that you can find on our medium collection, which, you know, I'll give the URL for later. Nick and Megan are bringing the show. Well, Nick's bringing the show back. I think Megan's staying up. But uh, Nick's bringing the show back here to L.A. It's going to be in Midtown March 25th and 26th, that weekend. Pretty busy weekend, but because um, there's, there's a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, there's like the, the, the Marissa thing we're doing. But um, this this is like screenshot working their their lane as few others can work the lane they work. So I would give it a whirl. I know there are tickets left, but you want to snatch those up while you can. Uh, fear is what we learned here. The tickets are at screenshotproductions-tickets.com. And that's the 25th and 26th of this month. This very, very busy month. Have You Seen Jake is having its finale. Uh, that's coming up. Not this weekend, not next weekend, but the weekend after. I know, because I built my travel schedule around it. Um, they've got a few slots left for the Friday. Now, this is a retreat up into the mountains. So um, if you haven't jumped on the Jake train yet, they're doing some stuff to try and orient people on board um, before the final show. Uh, but if you've ever wanted to like be you know, essentially kidnapped by a uh, uh, an immersive theater troupe for a weekend... Well, now's your chance. I know I'm brave enough. Are you? Uh, have you seen Jake is the website? Um, more in LA. Why? Because, you know, uh, it's what's going on. Um, the Other Side, which is a dance theater piece. Uh, Sophie Stoller is the uh, producer of that. They've got their Kickstarter going up. They are like, have almost reached their goal fully. And I found out this week that they're bringing in uh, an old friend of the show, Jamie Peterson, is working on some of the audience layer of this. So it's very exciting to hear that Jamie's back in the mix. Uh, I think I'm going to get a chance to check out a rehearsal of the show, and maybe we'll have Sophie, and if I can find it in his schedule with the baby and his job, uh, get Jamie back on the show. He was like one of our first guests. I think it was like guest number two or three. So go way back in the archives. And I'm going to give myself a little cough again, so pardon me. <coughs> Yeah, I got sick again, right before I travel, of course. It's clearing up, though. Speaking of, um, no, no, sick and travel don't work for this. Although, I guess this one takes place in a fictional hospital. So, yeah, let's go with, speaking of sick, um, 
<laughs> this weekend is your last chance to catch why I want to fuck Ronald Reagan by Ceaseless Fun, which people are really digging on. I'm super glad that they are. Uh, you can see our preview review of it at the Medium Collection as well. Um, I really dug the show. Uh, and um, I, I hope you take the opportunity to check it out. Uh, also opening this weekend here in L.A. is uh, To the Wild, uh, which is from Shine On Coll- Collective. Oh, I almost said collection because I've got those words bouncing in my head. Uh, more on that in a moment. Let's travel over to New York City. Broken Bone Bathtub, you know that's one of our favorites, uh, extended through March 31st. They're kind of doing like, it looks like they're doing the, you know, kind of every couple of weeks extension thing as they can run the show. Uh, So that's really great if you haven't had a chance to check that out yet and you're in New York City. This weekend, there's a production of Hamlet that's up in the Bronx, although it's set on like the Upper East Side. Hey man, I don't make the rules. Uh, That one looks kind of interesting. Also going on right now, uh, or about to be, uh, March 10th through April 8th, our friend Erin Mee has her pool play is coming back. Uh, and then there's a piece that you can only find via Instagram right now. Uh, and if you go into the New York newsletter, you can find the link for it. Uh, Dark Before Dawn. Um, it's just on March 25th. Uh, and let me just read you this thing real fast. In these dark times, we try to see the light. It may be distant, a mere glimmer, but the laws of celestial bodies promises revolution that light comes after dark. If you choose to focus on the light that peeks out from the horizon, that is your choice. But I'm inviting you to explore the darkness with me. Dark before dawn allows us to find comfort, even relish, in the frustration and anguish on the long road ahead of us. Explore a vacant apartment building to discover speakeasies, a feminist nightmare, bedtime stories, psychic surgery, stellar displacement, and much more. Well, you don't have to ask me twice. Uh, I'd go to it. <coughs> I'm going that description alone. Because I'm a weirdo. Because I find something strange on Instagram that promises to put me through an, uh, an abandoned, vacant apartment building. I say, oh yeah, sure, let's go do that. That's also what my obituary looks like. Let's go to San Francisco real quick. Neuro Society, the David Byrne exhibit at the Pace Gallery. It's closing on the 12th. Uh, We've sent an agent out to review it, but you've got a little more chance to explore it yourselves. Uh, I hear it's kind of like an interactive museum exhibit was sort of the short form that our agent told me. Uh, More on that one when we get that out. Since I'm talking about what we're publishing, why don't we talk about what we're publishing this weekend? We've got uh, the West Coast edition is going out, the Midwest edition is going out, the Southeast edition is going out. It's going to be a lot of editions, all hitting your inboxes. If you subscribe to all of them, man, I hope you have freaking flyer miles or something, because, like, dang. Um, but if you're in those zones, um, you're, you're going to get some new instructions. I should, I should frame these as instructions. Here's what you have to do. No, 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 no. We won't do that. To the Wild, which I mentioned earlier... Uh, I just wrote up a preview piece about it yesterday. Put that on the Medium collection. You can find that at medium.com slash no dash proscenium. It's got a, a bit of an interview with uh, Anna Mavramati, who is the writer on the piece, and some notes about the rehearsal that uh, I got invited to. So not not finished piece type notes, but, you know, notes. Um Also, coming up soon, we're going to have our preview look at Covell, uh, Annie Lesser's new piece. I, I sounded hesitant there because I saw the last dress rehearsal before the opening preview, uh, but not the opening night. Opening night is next weekend. So what you're going to get is, is somewhere between a preview and a review. 
because hey, it wasn't the complete thing and it wasn't totally finished. But uh, let me tell you, it was polished. It was pretty darn polished. So um, we'll, we'll we'll navigate out there. I didn't put it out this week because um, the show's next week. So I'm just holding on to it uh, and gonna drop it at the top of next week so that you know we can spur some sales for her. It is it is not an, an inexpensive show to see. But uh, there's a lot going on, and it's pretty much from everything I've heard, it's like a full night of entertainment. Uh, people hung around. So you get your three or four hours worth um, for the price that's paid. More stuff coming up that we're doing. Uh, we've got a few more reviews in the queue. I'm seeing some stuff up in San Francisco uh, that will that will hopefully make it, hopefully, what will make it into the review queue. Uh, and then we've got um, we've got an event coming up Thursday the 23rd at 8 p.m. That's our Fringe Town Hall that's happening in Hollywood at uh, Studio C in Theater Row. You go to the Hollywood Fringe website and look up Immersive Town Hall. This is an unofficial town hall that Matt Quinn, one of the more prolific producers at the Fringe and I, are doing to sort of orient Fringe creators into Immersive and orient Immersive people into the Fringe you do need to RSVP, but it is free. But also, this is targeted at creators. So uh, if you're if you're looking to know what to do to help you navigate the producerial waters of the fringe, um, this would be great for you. If you're looking to like hang out and meet creators because you want to, you know, like, oh, I really love your stuff. There's like no guarantee you're gonna meet the people you want to meet. Uh, we will have events like that in the future. I guarantee it. That is coming. But this one is a wonk fest, so uh, it's for those who want to meek. We've got some AMAs. We did an AMA with Annie Lesser this past Monday in the Slack channel. Uh, Zay and the guys from Foma Labs are coming up not this week, but the week after because I'm traveling next week and it's going to be catch as catch can. Um, so look forward to that. I've got some more people coming through. Uh, we're lining those up. So we're going to start getting those once a week on the bare minimum um, and more than that when we can. And once in a while stuff just pops up in there even when I'm not around. If you want an invite to the Slack, all you got to do is email us um, at uh, no, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to give you the new one. We've got a brand new email address. So I'm going to start using it. Noah at nopersidium.com. See how simple that is? There's no weird dashes or underscores. So email me there to ask to get into the Slack. All right. Let's talk business for a second. Um, I'm trying to go as fast as I can. We've got some Patreon thanks that need to be handed out. Uh, one, which I missed last week. Deep apologies. But it's always more fun when we get two uh, together. Kimberly Stewart and Lindsay Scoggin, thank you for being the latest to jump on the Patreon train here. They are part of our campaign to hit 100 backers on Patreon. Now, Patreon, as you may or may not know, is how we fund the show. And it is a subscription-type service. So you you pledge as little as a dollar, and uh, it hits every month. So, you know, basically it's uh, $12 a year for the minimum subscription to No Presidium. The minimum option prescription, subscription, subscription, it's the same thing. I keep you from being sick. Uh, to no proscenium, um, and that backs the podcast, it backs the newsletters, it backs um, pretty much all of our efforts. Because uh, we don't have advertising otherwise, and I keep on trying to figure out how to redo advertising, and frankly, um, it's a nightmare. Advertising on the web doesn't work unless you're like in the gajillions of posts. 
So we've got a campaign right now to get us up to 100 backers. We're at 49 right now. we got 51 to go. So if you've been thinking about it, now's a great time. There's also some good opportunities in there to uh, get in on some super discounted consulting rates because of putting the shingle out and the rates are not going to be cheap because um, there's a lot of stuff to be done and time is valuable. Also, if we get those 51 backers to jump in on that dollar a month, we will be crossing the $200 a month mark, which unlocks the scheduled video hangouts. So some of those AMAs are suddenly going to turn into Google Hangouts for uh, for those who are backers of the show, which is really, really exciting. Okay, that is all the business side of things. Let's get into the quick setup for the show because David and I have a lot to talk about. This was recorded at Ye Old Think Tank Podcast Studio in what is now 939 Studio. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the switchover last week. I know the Think Tank guys, uh, I think they signed a lease recently. I'm really excited to talk to them about what the future iteration of Think Tank is because our fates are tied up together. So the show is recorded there. Mad props to the guys for letting us do this again. Uh, David Mack, as I mentioned at the top of the show, he is the strategic director for Heidi Duckler Dance Theater. Uh, Heidi Deckler Dance Theater has been around for a long time here in LA. It's one of the pillars of the uh, site-specific dance scene in Los Angeles. David, you know, we're going to go over his resume a bit during the course of the show, but um, I met David in the parking lot of a show, of a rehearsal for a show that was going to the Hollywood Fringe, like the first year we were doing No Pro, and David came to that uh, meeting we had, which we called Subversive, which we did uh, at Schkaff, back when Schkaff still existed, and was sort of a lot of the seeds for what is the sort of immersive producer community here in LA. David has incredible insights because um, he works this stuff from multiple angles, and we're just we're just lucky to have him on the show today. So um, this one's really goes out to the Angelinos. I, I I don't even need to say anything else. I hope you enjoy because I know I enjoyed talking with David Mack. Here we go. Yeah, anyway, we're just going to stumble in, and that's that's better. I just look at it that way. Um, we were we were talking a little bit about the city and, like, the structure, because of where we are around Think Tank, and you were, like, pointing out some, like, buildings nearby that are getting converted. So I want to talk about gentrification in L.A. and how it affects the arts uh, a little bit later down, down the road here. But we were also talking about... We were talking about uh, diversity, and we were talking about... And there's just so many things I want to like, like just get you riffing on because we have these conversations uh, outside the context of the podcast a, a few times. And, and I've known you for a couple of years now. Um, we met at, we met outside of a performance. Like, like Odyssey LA. Yeah. Uh, Brian Sonia Wallace directed that. Which was set up during the Hollywood Fringe. What was, was it 2014? Was that? That was. I think yeah. It was. So I think that was like the first was no pro even a thing i can't even i guess i had you were, yeah i was you, just that was your that was the first year that was one of the first things you told me that was an exciting venture that you were yeah developing yeah that that was and that was one of the first things we we had in in no pro it, it starts to blur like it's only been like three years at this point if that and it just it feels like so much so much it's so different now like looking at what we have going on like the month we're recording this versus two years ago at this time oh, of year. Yeah. And it's like, pfft, yeah. yeah, it's blossomed. Oh, but there's so much opportunity. I go around and 
tell people about it. I say, oh, do you know about No Proscenium, where you can find out where all of the immersive events are happening in L.A.? And people are like, oh, I don't know what that is. And so there's still so much... Uh, so many people to uh to to share it with so i think that the sky's the limit which is pretty cool yeah no and it's it's such a it's it's rad to see it continue to grow but um one of the things uh it's funny because like now that we're recording like we were like okay we've got to contain ourselves with the recording because we were having this like kind of sprawling discussion Mm -hmm. but right before we were we were talking you were talking you were you were schooling me really in a great way about the sort of the demo of la and sort of this 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 issue we have in LA around a kind of a disconnect with the way the arts uh, are offered up as a product, if you will. Uh, that's my framing. And who the actual potential audience is. Right. So I wonder if you could kind of like take us through that garden, if you will, sure. and take some of the water <laughs> and just splash it on everyone's faces because it's time for people to wake the f up. And well, if you need I, to curse, you can curse. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you want to, but uh, it. I'm learning. Uh, and I've been in L.A. now for almost 10 years. I came out here to go to grad school, CalArts. So I'm a Northeastern guy, but I love the city now, and I'm learning so much about it. A lot of what I've learned about uh, diversity in the arts comes from the work I actually done in politics because I volunteered for Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas's office in the second district hmm. through his Empowerment Congress Arts and Culture Committee. And they're very data-driven people. And so uh, there was so much I didn't know about uh, the stats that I was sharing with you. But as I began to learn about them, it started to blow my mind. And then I said, okay, how does this apply to the arts? Um, are we being relevant in the context of the, the changing demographics in the county? And this is at the county level, right. mostly, where I was learning about this. And so my perspective is that there are many different ways that you can uh, come into how you want to be relevant uh, in your artistic practice. Uh, and I think that and many of those ways are totally valid. So if someone has a different opinion, um, by that I mean some people may say, well, okay, I see the demographics here in the county, but that's my job isn't to just do what the majority of this county wants right. you know, as an artist. Uh, I, I'm bringing a unique perspective. I have a certain mission, and I'm catering to a certain community. And I think that's totally fine. And so for some artists, it's like, I don't care about catering to anyone. I'm just going to make my statement. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, there's an art that. that no one will wants to come to, but it still must be done, <laughs> um, which I also have grown to respect because I came out of the uh, intimate theater world. Uh, I was uh, managing director of Watts Village Theater Company for four years in Watts. Uh, so, the, uh, you know, you, you don't get too much more community-based than that in, in many areas in L.A. So that, uh, that I, I get excited by people that have uh, that certain perspective, but that has not been the path that I have been going on in uh, the work that I've been doing in theater and then moving into opera and then to dance now. Uh, yeah, if anything, you're kind of like going deeper into into the, the, the sort of the mainstream here. Like you're 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 consulting with CTG on their remote LA. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's this may run while this will, if not before, definitely while remote LA is running. Cool. Um, 
which we should probably explain like real fast what it is. Sure. Well, it's interesting you say going in more into the mainstream. For it feels like that for me. For them, I think it feels oh, like God, yeah. radical. Yeah. Crazy. For them, it's that's <laughs> them stepping into our world right. and our world being dragged into their world. Uh, yeah. Right? You uh, know? Yeah. And and out of necessity, which I think we also want to get to, which yeah. is exciting. But um, I'll quickly share that uh, remote LA is uh, the first. Uh, I guess you can call it immersive theater production that Center Theater Group um, has ventured into. Uh, it's being developed by a group out of Berlin, Germany, called Ramini Protocol. Uh, and they do uh, series in cities across the world where they take their audience into uh, the streets of the cities uh, and you get wireless headphones and you hear soundscapes of the city uh, at, while you walk through various sites and so for the first time now they're bringing this to LA and they're creating a new piece specifically for LA yeah. uh, and so yeah that's open and, and for uh, those of us those who are like on the east coast or like you know folks in the midwest who listen to the show which I, I now know there are the North Carolina kids hey everybody holla. um uh, CTG Center Theater Group is like it's the big regional theater in Los Angeles. Like it is, I don't, I don't even know what the technical equity uh, setup is, but that's that's the that's it's the big one. It it's, is, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Full stop. You know, it's not it's not like where like oh the tours come through. It's like no no this is this is our big regional theater. It's it's got a couple of major venues, and it's 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 the the that which gets most talked about in the arts press. Yeah, and one of the oldest, I think, as well. So there's yeah. a lot of history there um, in in the service that it's done for the city. And so it's exciting. So I guess out of desperation, they brought me on board to help out a little <laughs> bit with the show. So I'm helping as I can. Uh, but uh, that's the work that I do nights and weekends. The day job is I'm a strategic director for Heidi Duckler Dance Theater, which is uh, a great joy. And there... Uh, where our office is uh, right across the street from where we are right now yeah. in the fashion district yeah. of LA, which yeah, you is were, very you were cool shocked that this was exploring. here, which is awesome. I got yeah, to, I got to see you get the tour of Think Tank. So. Yeah, de definitely exciting um, to discover this place. But uh, but yeah, that's what I do uh, for fun. I guess you could call it nights and weekends <laughs> consulting for. Uh, for companies, uh, mostly dance companies, and now CTG. But Bus yes, good old um, Busman's holiday. It's it, like I'm a journalist by trade, and what do I do on the weekends? <laughs> <laughs> Everything. <else. laughs> yeah. No, um, it's like here I am making, oh, right. making media. On the <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun, and uh, and I think it's uh, I'm very happy that they are doing this because. I think that it will be a great way to attract younger audiences for Center Theater Group. Hopefully they'll become subscribers and, uh, and see more theater uh, at those theaters and other theaters in Los Angeles. Uh, but I think it's also great because I think it's bringing the art closer to the community, to the streets. Uh, what I'm even... What I think I'm the most excited about is that while the show's going on, we're not... Um, shutting anything down so the, mm. the the journey of the performance goes through the regular operations of the city it's going to go through union station um the audience will go into metro uh they'll go through uh various buildings uh we just um we're in uh, i think 
at this point, yeah, we've secured the Buenaventura Hotel. Um, so we'll go into that space. Um, it will go into uh, some other spaces we're in the process of securing. And so there's going to be just the regular, there will be tourists, but there will be all the people that work in these buildings. There will be the people just walking on the streets and they'll say what's going on of yeah. course. <laughs> and hopefully uh you know that will pique their interest and then they'll discover that you know there's there's art happening here it's, and, and it's kind of exciting it's like it's becoming a bit of a of a signature thing in la uh to have these these sort of mobile shows or things popping up in places and making a splash and getting people curious and and that's just it that's just so such a joy to have that of all things be one of the the things people will think about when they think about Los Angeles. Like when you're in LA, this kind of thing can occur. Um, Absolutely. You know, I mean, New York's New York. Uh, as much as I love New York's theater scene, because it's like the theater scene. This this LA is such a weird playground for ideas, and it's something this this funky, particularly because it. I guess it's involving metro, so it's involving right. like <laughs> that's that extra thing. It's like, well, let's get people into the subways. Um, how did you, I mean, like, how did you wind up working in, in this side of the art world, right? Because it's such a, it's such a, compared to like everything else, it's such a weird thing. So, you, I mean, yeah. did you, when you came out to CalArts, did you think it was going to be anything like all this stuff? No, no. If you would have told me at CalArts I'd be doing any of this, I would have said you were crazy. What, what were you uh, so, uh, I was, an act, I was an actor. I was an acting major. Uh, I switched to producing while I was in CalArts mm. um, because I fell in love with it and I realized that was uh, my thing, uh, was being around a table and uh, uh, supporting the artist in uh, creating order out of chaos. Uh, <laughs> and it's just fun for me. Uh, but uh, how I got into it actually is partially related to this idea of um, what we were talking about before, which is uh, the perspective of... Uh, creating work with the community and creating work that's relevant to the community that you're in mm. and uh and serving the people around the space where you're creating your work uh i stumbled it wasn't intentional i stumbled into it so once i graduated i graduated in 2008 which you might remember was the crash year oh yeah uh so that was <laughs> like many others um it was very tough uh looking for work didn't know uh, how you're going to pay the bills uh, it was a very very tough time for all of us, uh, especially those of us coming out of school, it was such a roller coaster year too. We had that intense, intense political campaign and like this whole, this whole identity shift for the country in so many ways. And then I remember that coming in September, and it was just like cold water in the face. Like yeah. all of a sudden, just like bam. Yeah. Guess what? Right. Your dreams? Well, they had a shaky foundation. Right. Yeah. yeah. The the silver lining in that was it was happening across the entire spectrum of the country in every industry. Yeah. So what I would say to family and friends, and like, oh my gosh, it must be so hard to be an artist right now. I said, well, it's hard to be in ev anything right now. <laughs> Lawyers are getting laid off, and people it's, I, people working to like. Valley are getting laid. You know, everybody's getting laid off, um, and so you might as well do what you want and what you're passionate about yeah. <laughs> because of what you have to lose. So, uh, so that I was definitely searching for opportunities uh, and for my place in the uh, in the LA 
arts world. And I got very fortunate uh, in 2009, uh, one of my mentors, Leslie Tamarabuchi, who was uh, the head of advancement at CalArts uh, and was on the board of this company, this little company in Watts, the Watts Village Theater Company, uh, said, um, hey, you know, we're looking for a new managing director. Are you interested? And I didn't know what a managing director was at that time. But I said, yes. And uh, <laughs> Let me go I, to Wikipedia and find out <laughs> yeah, what I just and agreed I said, to. I can find you that. I can figure it out. <laughs> can't be that hard. And uh, I... Uh, I just got very, very lucky. Three rounds of interviews later, for some reason, they allowed me to be the managing director of that company. And that's where I learned um, everything uh, about running a small nonprofit arts organization in Los Angeles. And it was trial by fire, essentially. So that was four years from 09 to 13. During that time, the artistic director was Guillermo Aviles Rodriguez. And that's how I started to stumble into this medium. Uh, he conceived of a series called Meet Me at Metro, yeah. where the audience would go on to Metro and they would get off the station. There's a theater show happening at the station. You go back on Metro, you go to the next station, get off. There's another theater show happening at that station and the next station, the next station, all the way down the line. And we commissioned different theater companies and other arts organizations from around L.A. and each of them got their own station. So you can kind of get a taste of the different companies of L.A. along the route. He, he talks about how he did that because... Uh, it, the challenge that was happening at Watts Village was uh, we would do shows in Watts and uh, a lot of people from uh, the surrounding communities wouldn't come. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the feeling was that they weren't coming because it's because they were afraid of Watts. Yeah. They were intimidated by Watts. Uh, yeah. So so Kira said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a show and we're going to have it start at in Union Station in downtown LA very very safe. No one's going to be scared to go to downtown LA. And then uh, we're going to take them on the train and we're going to have arts happening and they're going to go south and there's going to be some more arts happening and they're going to be having such a good time. And then we're going to be getting off at watch and they, they're going to be having so much fun they won't even realize that they are going to watch. And that's how we're going to do it. So that was the the impetus for creating that show it was necessity and but what it ended up doing the effects were it really brought people together in a special way uh we brought not only were we bringing these people to watts we were connecting watts which um, so often feels disconnected from the rest of the city disenfranchised yeah. not listened to don't have a voice nobody cares they think it's just a lost cause a community that is actually now over 80 percent latino uh, and many immigrants, uh, families living there who also feel misunderstood and disconnected from the rest of the city. It brought them closer to these these arts people, these hipsters, these donors, these funders, these people from all around the city. Uh, and, and then it also brought uh, the theater companies who, and some of these theater companies, we partnered with 24th Street Theater, with Company of Angels. Um, they, they do great community work, but they hadn't ever performed in these spaces before. Yeah. So it opened up their world. So it was, it was real joy to do that. We did uh, four annual uh, festivals of Meet Me at Metro. And so that's what started getting me excited about working in, in public spaces and in sites. Uh, 
then and I will talk about I am sure we'll talk about then um uh, I I met Yuval Sharon and then he brought me into a whole new world <laughs> uh, uh that I never imagined existed and yeah. and so you know and then it went on from there so. weirdo weirdo opera and so then, mm-hmm. then of course that was that was uh, invisible cities which was at Union, Union Station factors a lot in 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 sort of your work as it were it's like a it's a yes. recurring theme uh, in, in, in an odd way. Yes, this will be the fourth show that I'm doing in Union Station. Yeah. And, and <laughs> the, simple, the simple reason why, it's awesome. It's an awesome space, full stop. And then to layer in another, another layer of reality in there, which is why people always shoot films in there. I mean, there's, there's certain things in L.A. which are so deeply iconic and it's it's one of them, and you can't help but want to play. And and it's having having been in God. Um, Marika Splint did her piece during um, during LAPP this year, uh, this past year, Los Angeles Performance Practice. Uh, no, Live Arts Exchange, which is done by Los Angeles Performance Practice. Oh, all the acronyms. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, and, and that was a half of it was there in in that space and going around. And the funny thing is, like, the tourists will give you a look for half a second. And then like oh, a bunch of people with the headphones, okay. And then, they, right. then they then they go about their business, almost like they're used to it by now in right. a weird way. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, and uh, and as we know, Union Station. Well, some people may not know Union Station. Uh, not only is it a transportation hub for Los Angeles, it houses many different uh, departments, city and county departments, including Metro. Metro, of course, right. is the big one that we work with when we. Uh, do these uh, productions, but uh, there's also they, there's various police departments, fire departments, real estate development companies. There's a whole huh. consortium of bureaucracy and bureaucratic companies that you deal with. I had no idea. Like you was like working in the station when um, I had no idea about that at all. It's funny because like I remember walking into the Bradbury Building downtown and seeing that internal affairs for the police department is in the Bradbury Building, and I was like, that is so weird. Yeah. And like, is it is it that is IA just a bunch of like Blade Runner fanboys or something <laughs> like that? Like that's a interesting choice. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is. It is like you sometimes. I think people don't understand sometimes the sheer scale of Los Angeles simply because. It's because it's not New York right. um, and how it nevertheless squirrels at the city and county level, squirrels all kinds of bureaucratic functions in all okay. kinds of places. Yeah. Like um, up in Van, like you managed to get me up into Van Nuys uh, one day and oh, yeah. and I had no idea that there was like county courthouses up there and oh, everything. Yeah. And then maybe even a fed courthouse. Probably. And then yesterday I was down in Norwalk um, and saw the the structures there. And then when I was like s- signing up for my absentee ballot, because I think it might be out of town the week we vote, I was, um, I was like, oh, the one early voting spot in all of LA for like all month long is in Norwalk. <laughs> so if you want to vote right. early, you got to go down to the edge of Orange County, which that's the right. weird part. It's like, right. we don't want you doing this. So we're right. going to send you as far away as possible. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, the sheer, the sheer scale of Los Angeles is. It's scale and the complexity. It's beautiful. But yeah. uh, for artists, this is one thing I always encourage anyone that's interested in doing site work uh, in this county. Uh, 
the gov- I think some people take it for granted because uh, the government is so progressive mm-hmm. um, and almost everyone uh, belongs to one party. But uh, the government and uh, political officials are very much in intertwined in all aspects of our lives, uh, our daily lives here and uh, the spaces that we work in and live in. Yeah. And so... Uh, I think it's incumbent upon the artist to learn about the local government and yeah. learn how it works and operates in all the various departments um, because they have a lot of power and control and influence and uh, that that affects artists. It's something we keep coming back to on the show uh, oftentimes when we're sitting in this room is, you know, I, when, when I started the show, when I started the newsletter, I didn't expect that I was going to wind up getting a crash course in how permitting worked right. or, you know, be sitting around the table with producers and asking them questions like, okay, well, what do we got to do to make this better? And which officials do we have to start, you know, uh, getting to know yes. in order to even begin to see our way out of, out of some of the problems? Because... Famously, you know, L.A., at least at this moment, like all of the the alcohol permits, for instance, go through the police department, which is unlike any other major city in the United States. Mm -hmm. And as every producer, you know, knows, you make your like when you're on the small scale, you're you're making the show's money off the bar. Mm -hmm. And so without the bar, you don't have the ability to really pay your people like the ticket sales only cover so much when you're at a DIY bootstrap level and even up above the DIY bootstrap level. So as we continue to navigate that world, it gets, I don't know. It almost starts to get like, it feels like a Nora thing. First it's like, it's like a advancing drug. Like it started with me talking to to city officials and then I had to figure out who the real estate people were. The next thing I know it was like lobbyists in order to deal with like measures. Yeah. Um, But, but the shape of the shape of a place whether or not this kind of work or whether or not performing arts as a whole in Los Angeles will hold on and have, have a, a, a broad spectrum and, and a, a, a way that you know, youngsters can come in and then navigate and if not have a full career, then at least have half their, art, you know, half their career in the arts. So much of that does get shaped at the level of the politics yeah. at you know, you know, who are the council members? Are they, do they have a soft spot for the arts? Uh, how do they feel about the responsibility of real estate developers towards making sure these kind of spaces exist for people? And it's not just, well, I just want to put up a thousand units in a boutique hotel. Yeah. Um, and these are, these are questions that are constantly getting asked, like hell measure S, which maybe might have been voted on by the time we, we do this one. You know, it's it's all about real estate development, whether or not there's a moratorium or not. And there's so much money being soaked into that campaign. And, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to tell, you know, who to trust. It's hard to tell what's what's it really at stake, particularly when your interest is in. Well, I want to make like your core interest. Well, one of your core interests is in wanting to see this work flourish. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, building relationships is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I know it can feel like your head is spinning when you're dealing with all of these uh, interests uh, to try and get your work up uh, in the government and in development. Uh, 
when you talk about the idea, okay, you know, you need this liquor permit and then this department has to give you the approval for the liquor permit, but then, you know, they have requirements and you have to go somewhere else to meet their requirements. Wouldn't it be great if you had an ally or multiple allies that, um, that already know all these people that yeah. can help navigate you through this so that you're not just going to someone when you have a problem. So you're right. The int- one of one of your main interest is to do your work. And so you look at the perspective of, okay, I have to solve this person. So I have to then go to this official to help me solve this problem. From their perspective, uh, if you're only coming to them when you have a problem, then you don't really have a real relationship with them. Yeah. And, you know, these are people. Uh, and I think that it's important to build relationships with them uh, all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I know Ben, uh, ben Johnson, Johnson, yeah, at uh, Department of Cultural Affairs here in L.A., uh, is uh, is doing a really great effort to try and support artists in this way and cut oh, yeah. through some of that red tape. He talked to us about that at one of your last uh, gatherings. And I, I think that's great. And I think that uh, I encourage all of the uh, arts organizations and our leaders to do that. I also encourage the artists to go straight to the politicians themselves and, and, and be present and get them excited about what you're doing. Yeah. Not just invite them to shows, but um, find out what they're doing. Well, because, um, cause, you know, the, and they have visions, you know, like they you don't get into that kind of work without having some kind of vision. And. You know, it's interesting. Like ben, Ben's the first performing arts director of the DCA in like two or three decades or something like that. Because um, the mayor, you know, wanted that to be part of the mix, as I understand things. And then we have folks like uh, Councilman Huizar, you know, down in, you know, on Broadway, whose thing is about revitalizing Broadway. And like once a year, you know, they do the, the night on Broadway thing and like brings out a lot of people, puts artists up in the in the, the glorious, glorious old movie palaces Mm. and you know this this is we forget that uh politicians uh, maybe we know it a little bit better now for better or worse we forget Mm. that they're passionate people too yes and and there's a real way in which when it comes to building a city like a city is at the city level like uh, the city is their canvas the city is their piece of art um to like phrase it in our terms, uh, they they might see our art as as a business or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> like it's it all depends on what what perspective and paradigm you're coming at it with. Um, but that also means like the long term projections on development. So this was the thing that we were talking about at the oh, very yes. top when you sat down here and you were like walking me. And I, if, if there's things you can't say, it's okay. <laughs> uh, some stuff happens off the air, but I'm I'm really curious about this. Like what you've sort of you've gotten in terms of kind of the, the breakdown of what's what the well, whether, future of downtown is. Whether I'm saying it or not saying it, it doesn't matter. Everyone can see it. Yeah. So uh, the downtown, well, we're here in downtown LA, which is transforming. Yeah, we're in the, technically the fashion district, as, the it's, fashion. as it's known. Yeah, a little bit yeah. south, actually. Yeah. And uh, But all of LA, the city, uh, is, is transforming. Uh, the cityscape is transforming. Of course, that's uh, going to affect any artist that's uh, either living and working, playing here, or uh, is interested in doing work in sites here. And uh, so, yeah, it's incumbent upon the artist, I feel, to uh, to educate themselves on what's uh, happening, who's driving this transformation, why it's happening, what their interests are, um, how artists can support those efforts, um, or um, how artists can 
uh, if if there's things that are affecting a community in a certain way that an artist is advocating for, how they can um, uh, come to the table and be a voice for that community. Um, and that's what I think is the core of what I've been passionate about producing. Even, mm. uh, of course, with uh, Heidi Duckler Dance Theater, and there, there's a company that's been around now for 32 years, um, has performed in over 200 different sites in LA, um, always a unique space uh, and always a place uh, that has a community uh, where we want to connect with. And so I think that... Uh, there, the changes are, you know, I guess in the past five years is what I've been hearing, the changes are happening at a more and more and more rapid pace. Yeah. But it's not happening, uh, uh, well, in, in some sense, it's happening in a patchwork, but behind the patchwork, uh, because, you know, this is capitalism, yeah. you know, free market economy, uh, behind that patchwork, there's a very intentional plan yeah. uh, for our city uh, and I mean, the move to revitalize the downtown and, and the fight over what downtown will look like has been, I mean, that's the L.A. story for the past 40 plus years. And you can see it. I mean, the, the best books on that uh, in the 80s and 90s were the Eric Davis, City of Courts and uh, Ecology of Fear, mm. uh, particularly City of Courts. Ecology of Fear is a little bit more about social control, uh, the way architecture represents that. But uh, City of Courts is his history of L.A. And you learn everything from like um, where Kaiser comes from. Mm. Uh, to um, to why the suburbs are the way they are, mm. uh, to Bunker Hill, like a, a, an exhaustive look at Bunker Hill and waves and how you know waves of immigration and and uh, you know influence that and uh, you know the, a lot of the you know uh, sort of the law and order mode, particularly because like you know he was writing that around the time of or before maybe before and after um, the the. Um, the riots mm. in, in, in 92. And so really you can see like sort of like the conditions laid down for that moment. And then what's happened since has been such a, a change and transformation. And yet the, the drive to create the downtown that is sort of um, this distant mountain in the future in those books is, is being dug up and, and constructed even as we speak mm. And yet, looking farther down the future, this is the weird thing I just heard the other day, uh, and I'll, I don't remember the name of the person, but Madeline Brand, who's one of the radio hosts here in Los Angeles, uh, she had a guest on her show, this would be uh, the week before Valentine's mm-hmm. in February, because we're, we're recording a couple days before Valentine's Day, if anyone wants to look, look it up and try and narrow it down. And they were talking about how they weren't specifically talking about Los Angeles, but they were talking about cities in general, this whole drive towards sort of revitalization of urban centers and, and, you know, the regentrification of down historic cores and which translates into all the condos that are being built Mm -hmm. in all the old buildings or on the, where all the old buildings were that all of that was being driven by the, the millennial population which was like the biggest generation since the greatest generation Mm -hmm. or since the boomers Mm -hmm. right like huge population upswing and now we've we've already exhausted peak millennial like they've they've crested 25 years old Mm -hmm. and if the demos hold the way they usually do that's the turning point where people start going back into out to the suburbs 
We'll see if that pattern holds. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it will, but the theory is that essentially it's all been overdeveloped. Mm -hmm. And so that could five, 10 years down the road, even as like the building we're sitting in is almost certainly like targeted and will be turned into something else. There just aren't the young bodies to be here, strangely enough, like the way the development cycle's gone. So what we thought, what I was so sure was coming, mm-hmm. even just like two weeks ago, as I was watching like the way the landscape was changing and like everything that's going on in the arts district and, and the holes that are being dug everywhere in downtown, mm-hmm. there was this one guy who's like, yeah, the demos say, mm, 10 years, ghost town. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Right, right. And, and that's, that's both an opportunity and an obstacle for artists. Like every, every time the landscape changes, it, it opens up doors, but it also makes everyone kind of freak out and go like, why are you worried about the arts right now? <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a part of what we were talking about before. It's just it's, um, how do we stay relevant with the changes? Um, I also yeah. think about how do we um, try and uh, be proactive rather than reactive to um, changes that happen. Uh, I'll get to that in a second with one of the issues of rising rent prices oh, and how yeah. it's threatening uh, theaters and other arts organizations. But to your point, well, you know, we there are, but there are some dynamic forces that are happening. We're becoming a much more globalized society than we were before. Tourism is becoming a larger and larger uh, aspect of uh, the LA economy yeah. um, than ever before. And of, also with transportation, we'll see how it goes, but there's uh, another plan there. Uh, I, I guess I would say a hope aspiration that um, we build this generational infrastructure of transportation that transforms LA. Um, but it, there's also, I know there's a lot of fear right now, but um, immigration uh, and globalization, uh, I believe, are um, forces that cannot be stopped. Yeah. Uh, and LA will um, continue to be a city dominated by immigrants and uh, and a center and a hub for globalization. That is going to continue to increase demand um, yeah. uh, in uh, in, the, in in our city center. And so we'll see. And any, anything's possible, but I think that artists can probably taught us that anything yeah, is possible. Anything's possible. But I think I, I think artists would be safe to prepare for a city that's larger, that's more dense, that's more diverse, uh, and that's younger. Uh, but also, uh, I, I believe um, from what I'm hearing that uh, it's going to be tough for uh, income inequality uh, is going to get worse, definitely in the yeah. short term. And and in the in the long term, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be very hard because of these forces of globalization and also automation. The automation um, thing's massive. Yeah, yeah. And massive. that's the whole topic we spent a whole hour on. Yeah. Just that. But yeah. uh just when when everyone's so like, oh the, the Google robot cars and it's like <laughs> as soon as that happens, all every truck driver is out of business. Yeah. And as soon as every truck driver is out of business, that's the number one job in the United States, full stop. We keep on saying full stop this episode, but I like it. Uh I stole that from you. Um I'm gonna keep it for all time. Um you could say in some levels that's that's end game, right? You know, like there's there's one level where that's end game, but it's I don't know, it's it's so it's so difficult like when we're recording this right now to like try and project the future when there there are these forces in power that are 
trying to use the old ways of curbing these these other forces, right? Like there's this attempt to like step back to a time before there was a global economy and the mass movement of labor and all of that sort of stuff. And I mean, if we could go deep in the weeds on those things. I guess, I guess the, the, the point I had about that demographic guy is that the millennial peak is, is one part of the factor. If the other forces keep on going, particularly around the idea of like rental, you know, like the whole Airbnbification of, of rents, mm. right? Um, and you were going to talk about rent in a second. Like, and that's a real thing, right? And every time, and hell, I, I've used Airbnb just the once when I went to go this past year to New York. And I wound up in a room in someone's uh, f- flat, whatever we want to call it, in Crown Heights. And it was like a white couple from Utah who she was working in like the schools there. He was studying, I think, at NYU. But we're in Crown Heights, which is, you know, not only like, you know, black, but like, you know, Caribbean specifically, you know, traditionally Mm. neighborhood. I think Jewish before that. Um, And oh, my God, I was just like, I felt awful because like (laughs) I'm staying, I'm I'm subsidizing this couple's, you know, apartment Mm -hmm. rent. And it's this brand new building, and I walk outside, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm like acting as a first wave gentrifier here by by using this." Mm-hmm. And I know exactly the kind of damage that Airbnb was doing is doing, like in Santa Monica, and so they like clamp down there. But I also know like the number of my friends who were using Airbnb to survive, mm-hmm. you know, right. like. All, all this, the, the gig economy stuff, whether it's Airbnb or Uber, you know, it, it exploits a flaw in our system, which is that, you know, if things are really, really expensive and your work isn't consistent, then here are these things you can do, you know, sell off your extra capacity. But as soon as uh, uh, enough people start doing that, everything starts to go that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's a with change. There's always winners and losers, um, yeah. and 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 it's uh, important if you're if there are com- if your particular community is hurting, you know, to be a voice for the community. But I agree with you. I mean, it's probably a fool's errand, um, no matter how educated you are, how hard you try to try and predict the future. Yeah. But I think I'm advocating more for artists to uh, what you said to be at the table. Yeah. Um, at, and uh, and be able to have uh, an opportunity to help shape the future yeah. that we want, um, I think rather than just reacting to it. And that's where I was going to talk about the about the right, the right prices. Yeah, yeah let's which, do that. Do that. Um, which is um, which is we've we've seen this coming for years, but now this is uh, about to be a crest for for especially the theater community, but for many artists. Uh, who cannot afford uh, to pay the rent for their venues uh, because the prices are too high here in the city of Los Angeles. And so now uh, I I hear calls for, oh, we have to call our local council person and Hmm. tell them you you must help us with these rising rent prices. Uh, And that's totally understandable. Right. Uh, and should be and should happen, and I totally support it. But ideally, we get into a position where um, we've already, we're again, it's about the relationships where yeah. we've already 
uh, been in conversation with the people in power um, about what the needs of the artists are so that when things come, uh, we can shape the conversation of how to keep artists um, sustainable and give them a place in the city and, and have the city appreciate the importance of the arts, which is another big thing that I hear a lot. They say, well, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't appreciate us and they don't understand the value of the arts. And some people will say, well, if they don't think it's relevant to the lives of their constituents, yeah. then, and if, and if on top of that, they don't know who you are really, you know, yeah. except when you invite them to a show or you have a problem, then they're not going to have much incentive to. Yeah. So you've, you've got to build that. Well, and I, and I think, and, and if, I mean, that you know, we're seeing so clearly across the spectrum, so many people sort of discovering their voice in politics in a moment of crisis. And if you're going to do that, almost the first thing you need to, to figure out is like, okay, so who else was already here, right? Because you're entering into a conversation midstream. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about the national political scene or we're talking about, you know, oh my God, the rents, you know, like, but just like the irony of what's happened on Theater Row in Hollywood, uh, which is the very year that it finally gets officially named Theater Row, like <laughs> a quarter of the venues like close up shop because they can't afford it you right. know, anymore. It's like just darkly, darkly ironic that 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 maneuver happens like the space the the very parking lot where we met like is no longer a venue right, right. like that's that's a real thing it's gone right? right and that was you know three years ago right. um if you're gonna jump in orient yourself figure out who are the stakeholders because some of them some of them will have interests that are opposed to you and some of them um the interests may seem opposed but aren't necessarily. And I think, you know, I had this conversation with John O'Malley. You know, John, you met, you've met Mitchell O'Malley. No, no, oh, no, that's no, no. Mitchell. No, uh, I don't know John O'Malley. I think you met him like for a second. Uh, one of the times I tried to bring some people together, okay. uh, but just, just for like a hot second. Um, we, we had a long talk. It was like, it was like, a, we had like an hour and a half podcast cause he works for space in the raw. Um, and so, you know, he's, they're doing like trying to connect artists with spaces and spaces with artists. And so he's navigating through like the real estate world. And, you know, there's, there's a big, there's a big thing here where the real estate developers who are developing some of these massive complexes that are office space and hotels and living quarters and retail, 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 <laughs> retail. Here's six different restaurants that we want Ludo to put a pop-up into. <laughs> and Ludo won't do any of them. Um, they're all competing for the same marquee names. And yet, in terms of retail and food restaurants have a whole issue around the rent too. Like we think theaters mm. have it bad, like restaurants are going to, there's like, they're gonna, there's a collapse in that industry that's coming down the line. Mm. And a lot of it comes down to that. There isn't the stock available for space uh, in the way that there should be. And there isn't necessarily the vision on that side for like, Oh, well what good does a theater space or what do, good does like a perform or a space that can be used for different kinds of performances. And we can like remodel what, what good is a venue? Mm. Um, when the answer is, uh, it's foot traffic, mm -hmm. you know, I, I went down to a show for the first time. I didn't even know the Novo existed. I went to go see Tovlo. Um, and, and because it was down by Staples and because it said Microsoft on it, I assumed it was the old Nokia theater because which I've seen stuff in. And then I like walked in, I was like, well, that's closed tonight. So it's not, I was like, oh, the Novo. And I saw the sign, oh, the Novo. And I like walked in, I'm like, oh, here's this, they've built like 
a, a, hi, a hybrid nightclub space on the ground floor. It felt kind of really intimate. And then I was like up in the general admission and it's just a super raked mm. theater mm. Uh, that like there was more people up in the balcony than I think were on the floor mm. with the way it was constructed. Cause like, it's like, just let's get money out of it. Mm. And that's a bunch of foot traffic mm-hmm. for all the restaurants that are around there and mm. all that other stuff. And so many of the, the loft buildings are being built around that mm. so much of that. And so there's the answer. It's like, you don't have a mat. It's like the argument becomes, imagine something cooler than that space that you, Mr. Developer, own. Mm. And that's what's bringing your foot traffic through. And that's what's activating all your spaces. Mm. Um, but if we're, if artists aren't armed with that walking in, if they don't understand well, what are the interests of the people who are sitting down, like what do they care about? Mm. And they're just, like you're saying, if they're just going when there's a problem, right. um, they're doomed. Right. Or maybe bring the developer on your board. Or yeah. bring them involved in your, make them an advisor to your production. Yeah. I mean, bring them bring them into your work. Yeah. Uh, and bring all the other, because they're a stakeholder. And bring the community people into your work. Uh, so then it's, you're not just trying to convince them and tell them by pass, handing them a flyer saying, you, this, you have to see this as important to you. It's also important to them because they're a part of yeah. uh if, of helping you create the work that you're creating, uh, I think that uh, some artists do see um, see some of the people that, like you say, may have different interests or do have different interests as the enemy. Uh, and I think that that there may be other ways to approach it that are more successful. And also, I think the artists may learn something as well yeah. um, from those experiences because. When you go into a world, if, for example, like the developers, you know, this sounds, sounds like cliche, but they're people too, kind of thing. You know, I yeah. mean, they're human. Like, it's kind of like you, what you said about the uh, the council people. They are passionate about what they do. Um, sometimes as, as passionate as artists are about oh, the yeah. work that they do. Uh, and so maybe there's synergy there in some areas. And uh, so maybe... Just don't focus on the differences uh, as much yeah. uh, as seeing the opportunities for um, alliance and and joint interests. So I'm and I'm not ad- advocating for whitewashing away, oh. um, you know, some of these forces of gentrification oh, no. that hurt God certain no. communities or uh, income inequality. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it is important to stand up for that if that's something that you are an advocate for, but. Um, but there is a, there's a cost. There's always a cost. There's a cost. Um, and if what you're if you're you're really trying to do is to bring your art to the community and to all of the community, um, then you have to weigh those costs um, and the benefits and see if maybe there may be an opportunity for something to good out of uh, building building bridges instead of just um, saying, well, they don't support art, so I'm not going to talk to them, and we're just going to fight them. And there's and there's something to be said for, you know, relationships. They're not exactly transferable, but you yourself can become then a bridge, right? If like if you're working towards understanding the world of the gentrifying developer, but you're also you reaching into the community and knowing like where you are right now. Like when you go into, I mean, I I've seen it with a couple of shows that that do work on sites. You know, if they particularly if they go into East Los Angeles, and it there's this pushback. That, that flares up because 
they're they feel like they're just being used as a as a prop as a background um you know being used for local color uh and and that's it can be so hard when it's to like reconcile those perspectives when you know like it's just some artists doing something Mm. on the flip side you know i know that some of the the art quote-unquote stuff that's going on over there is just you know there's cheap rent so someone's putting up a boutique of garbage you know <laughs> like just like oh here's some here's some cr- quote-unquote craft jewelry for like two thousand dollars and it's like yeah that doesn't belong in Boyle Heights <laughs> but like you know but you know when it's it's a classic gentrifying thing though like oh here come the punk rockers with their with their you know you know gallery venue mm-hmm. and so and then things that's kind of cool and outre and then like things start kind of creep around if you don't become like a good neighbor you know you don't you don't find out who's there if you don't right. become part of that community yeah. but the, you know if if it's just oh here's cheap rent you know maybe don't you know if that's what it is i don't know how I got yeah or at yeah. least do it or be intentional understand what you're doing yeah um and and the effects yeah uh and yeah i think there's responsibility on both sides um but uh but yeah going but so going just going to tighten up on the the democrat graphics so i can give my little spiel on uh what I discovered, uh, this is 2010 census. So just imagine that it's probably increased since then. But the, last the latest census. figures we have <laughs> on the county, um, L.A. County is 73% people of color, uh, 55% Latino, median age 32 or 33. One out of three live below the poverty line and two out of three have at least one parent that's an immigrant. So if just in case anyone was wondering what demographics I'm talking about that we live in, those are the demographics that we live in. And of course, 55% female. So if you look at... 55% female? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, between 50 and 55% female. So um, if you... So if you want to just boil that all down into, let's just say, what's the typical Los Angelino? Typical Los Angelino is a young, poor Latina. So how does that match with your typical arts theater audience member? Or your typical arts theater board member or your typical arts theater executive director. And There's a bit kind of, of a delta. <laughs> kind of out there. There's just a tiny, tiny bit of a delta. Yeah. Or the work that you're doing. What is the work that you're doing? How, how would that person look at the work that yeah. you're doing in the county? Um, and think about those things because uh, I believe that that matters if you want to be relevant to the community that you're working in on the broader scale as the community and then in terms of the county. On top of the fact that, of course, you know, this is one of the most diverse counties in the world and yeah. there's every different type of ethnicity and so many different languages and so many and then the tourist you walk, community you walk down the you walk down the fashion district so. you'll hear, hear four different languages i know right. i did i heard yeah. like, i heard like i heard three continents right you know? <laughs> right and i loved it and i was district. like i was like this is rad right. you know but um, on the positive side, I think I'm so on the negative side, you could say, oh, maybe you're, you know, there with your company, you're looking around your company members and you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, but 
there's but there's there's a blessing in there there's so much opportunity there's so many stories that haven't been told there's so many new directions to go and you talk about how um the people in power uh, how they react to change by this and i'll just this make make america great again is the way i'm kind of boiling down yeah. what you said the the response is uh, we, I believe we have that in the arts, in the theater world and in the arts world as well. Um, I believe, maybe not go back, there's a uh, desperate attempt in some areas to preserve. Yeah. To preserve and fossilize an ideal of the golden age, whenever the golden age was, and, and of I'm Los so, Angeles arts oh, and theater. Oh, but, and, but just like, like in, a, in an er form, in the arts and theaters form, and like since I was a pup, I've just... I've just kicked against it. I, I've hated it so much. <laughs> and like, I remember for me, the Ur moment was in college and uh, Tony Taccone, bless his soul in so many ways, who at the time, I think maybe had just ascended to be artistic director of Berkeley Rep. Um, and he was there with Danny Hawk, the uh, solar performer from, from New York. And they were sitting there, we were having a biscuit, not even a talk back because we didn't get to go see the show. Danny like performed part of one of his pieces. And like Danny was visibly upset with the fact that we college students at SF State were not be- the ones going to his show in Berkeley and that he was at like the Julia Morgan Theater, which is a, a smaller venue in Berkeley, like deep in the suburban part of Berkeley. And it was all a, you know septuagenarian crowd <laughs> and for Danny Hawk's work if you look it up he's, he's amazing mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's just not the right crowd like he, he's not connecting and he felt he felt disconnected and it was so it was such a weird thing to see you know the, a guy with Tacone who would ultimately become like one of the gr- the luminaries of Bay Area arts mm-hmm. in a real way he, he brought us American Idiot for instance and and and, and other great work um and I mean it sincerely, and it's turned Berkeley Rep into it like a powerhouse there, without a doubt, uh, eclipsing everything else kind of going on in the Bay. Um, but there was Danny Hawk, uh, who had had HBO specials and was like n- just not happy that it was this weird dead thing. And that that experience of of that discomfort was so formative. Mm-hmm. And and when you were talking though about. You know, I've been thinking about this idea of, uh, you know, how how to reach into the community. And for those, I want to say this to those who are out there who are making, who like maybe feel like, well, like those aren't my stories to tell, and I wouldn't know how to tell those stories. Particularly when we're in a in a in immersive and in insight specific, and this thing that's undergoing a renaissance on a, like a technical level and on a craft level. Think about what you can do to facilitate other people using these techniques to tell their stories and the service you can do to the craft by bringing more people in Mm -hmm. and particularly people who maybe aren't bound by tradition Mm -hmm. the way so many people who come through arts education are already bound by the tradition. Well, this is the way a show is. This is what a play is. This is what, this is what this, maybe they know what agitprop is, or maybe they understand like the teatro idea or this, that, the other, but like, You know, um, be, there's there's a there's a way to kickstart an entire generation by just giving this to them first. Yeah, there's opportunity there too. Yeah, but I would say also you just tell the story. So mm. Don't worry. Don't worry about. 
there is that fear yeah and and it's because people have been attacked and i understand saying you know you, do you have the authenticity do you have the right to tell my story we're storytellers we, we we never tell we never embody our own stories we are always uh as performers certainly um and but as 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 uh, as the makers of the and the creators of the art as well, we're going into other people's worlds and cultures and bringing that out through the art. Um, of course, sometimes you know people are telling their own experience, but I'll use my example. I've, I, I'm a black man, and I played white men almost my entire life as an actor and so did almost as so did many 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 black actors growing up oh, yeah. in la theater those are the characters and then yes you know if you're if you're lucky you have the opportunity to play a character that matches your own experience but i'm very used to playing other people's experiences so i think that um that other people shouldn't be afraid to step into those shoes uh i trust most art now i know there are some artists that exploit um, and there are some artists that uh, that don't do things with a grace uh, when they're they're telling a story. But I trust most of the artists in Los Angeles if they would uh, take that venture out to tell some of these other stories would do it with a, a sensitivity and a grace to the culture. Um, don't use the excuse that oh I'm you know just just for example like oh I'm a white guy so I'm not gonna you know do, I'm not gonna create any art about any of these groups because then they're just gonna get mad and say what right do you have to do it just do it okay <laughs> because it's no it's soon I and mean, we talked about this a little bit before as well it's um it's may soon be not so much a choice anymore uh yeah. w w we are in i believe in danger of becoming irrelevant um you hear that a lot in circles um and uh and you start to hear the question of you know it, it, does theater matter anymore in los angeles um when people start asking those questions that means you have a problem as an industry so when you hear that as the industry you should see the warning sign and say okay what do we need to do to change that conversation? Because that's not the questions you want the general community asking yeah. about your 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 craft. So and and um, the, and the truth know. and the truth is is that there's there's an untapped audience out there, and that's one of the things that's been fun about watching immersive grow is that there are people who do not know that such things are possible. They don't know they don't know how good a, a live theatrical performance experience can be. And when they encounter it, they often become, they sometimes become rabid fans and sometimes they go like, oh, well, that was a thing for a minute. But there's a deep hunger for connection because of how mediated our lives are. And, and I also look to sort of, I look back to politics and I think the big thing I've learned from politics this year has been that, you know, the experience of, of, of lots and lots of people going to a thing really matters. Mm -hmm. People showing up and being there and not just looking at something on a screen or hearing about it on Twitter or hearing about it on Facebook, but actually being there matters a lot. And when you can and think if, if you're a theater person, you know, you had that experience at some point in your life. You were there in the room and it was magical. Right. And that and that's what happened with me. It ruined me. It got me away <laughs> from film and got me into live. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> right. I'm done. Yeah. But it's not the end of it. When, where being, being there is essential. And then when you're there, what you're doing there has to matter. That's one of the things that our generation 
I feel is really demanding uh, because we don't have enough time and we don't have enough money and there's too many other things to do and there's enough stresses and pressure. So we're not going to waste three hours of our lives on something that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, period, much less matter to us. So, it, it, so what you're doing has to matter to these people. Um, it has to be significant. It has to connect to the actual real world in which they are existing. Doesn't mean it has to be a certain medium. Uh, but I think that there needs to be more respect for the diversity of mediums. Because you're right, there is this perception of, oh, um, you know, this immersive theater, uh, that's for the weirdo artists. And, you know, and, the, uh, and doing something in the streets is for the, the community people that just don't have the wherewithal to do something, you know, in the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Uh, but that's another reason I'm so excited that Center Theater Group uh, is opening its doors to this type of work because I think um, that it will help you know, our team, the, yeah. the, the fun friends that we have that do this type <laughs> of work uh, so often around LA, I think it will help elevate all of us uh, in the eyes of those, the people, I call them the establishment. I don't say that, and I know establishment is a negative term, I say it with respect, with the theater establishment, those are the highest echelons of, of the theater and the arts community here in LA. Um, I think that that can only be a good thing. Yeah, because it's good for us, obviously, because it's mm -hmm. our thing. I think it's good for them because it connects them even more to the communities that they all say they serve and that they all want to serve. And then I think it's good for the public because it brings art more into the fabric of people's lives, which then ideally increases its relevance. So you don't have that question is, do we need these people doing this stuff? Much less, are we going to subsidize as a taxpayer? You're asking me to subsidize this stuff yeah. that, that has no relevance in my life that I think is a waste of time. Yeah. So that's why I think, um, you know, if we play our cards right, immersive theater and site-specific art could actually be the gateway to saving theater and art uh, in this city as a whole by connecting it to people and making it more relevant. I want to put a button on it right there. David, <laughs> David how can people find you out in the world? Oh. Uh, if you want them to. It's, an op it's optional. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I love people. So I love people. <laughs> I love people finding me. So you can find me on Facebook, David Mack. Um, you can find me through Artist Magnet. Uh, that's the company through which I do my consulting work. So that's artistmagnet.com. You can find me in Heidi Duckler Dance Theater, uh, HeidiDuckler.org, uh, uh, and you will find me at Remote LA if you come. All right. March 12th through April 2nd. David Mack, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Once again, I want to thank David Mack for being our guest on the show today. You can reach out to him via artistmagnet.com. That's the word artist and the word magnet. How do those work? Dot com. Um, you can connect us in other ways if you if you want to email us and you know we'll ping you to David if there's like a project you want to get him to consulting on and you're like uh, I can't remember the name of the website. Just email us. Uh, music for this episode, as always, is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Uh, and speaking of the Speakeasy Society, you know they're remounting their shows later this month. Um, 
So you want to get in on that as soon as you can because those things sell out. How to contact us? Well, the first step, the big step, is you go to nopriscinium.com, and then that leads you to all the links that go to everything else. Got some plans brewing with the old .com, so we'll see how that pans out here as we try and wedge in all the other work, just keeping abreast of things. At no Presidium is our Twitter handle, and you know we love we love the Twitters. You know I love the Twitters. I'm at Noah J. Nelson on Twitter. And now, when you do need to email us, the new email, the easy email, is Noah at NoPresidium.com. If you forget how to spell no Presidium, something I used to do all the time, just look at this podcast name, same thing, with a .com. Simple as that. The Patreon, we want to chug forward. I would I'd be like ecstatic if we got those 51 people in like the next month and a half. That would be totally rad. So patreon.com slash no proscenium is how you just throw down a dollar a month. It's like nothing. A dollar is nothing. Uh, you got a dollar? Do you got a dollar? I need that dollar. Uh, sorry. That's for like two of my friends. I do this character for them. Um, it's the beard. It, it has its own mind. Medium.com slash no dash proscenium is where you find all of the reviews that we've got. We've got a number of people who are writing for us right now that I'm excited to get their work out to you. Some really, really bright folks. That's it. That's the show. Uh, I'm going to be up in the Bay Area. I'm going to be checking out uh, the speakeasy up there. Uh, There's a bunch of stuff popping off down here in LA. There's work left and right. Oh, I didn't even talk about here. Kelly Bartnick's piece in New York City. Yeah, there's so much going on. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's making me be more organized. Um, Yes, frighteningly enough, that was the organized version of all the notes. Oh no, we're in trouble. Um, Next week on the show, we have the director of Remote Los Angeles, which is going on at Center Theater Group. Uh, and then um, while I'm up in the Bay Area, uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to interview a couple of folks and bring back the spoils to you. So until next time, I'll see you at the show.